Welcome back to the Holy Cow, a Cubs podcast. I'm your host, Sean Holland. Our guest this week, Ryan Davis from Cubs Insider. Do you know Ryan? We've had him on a few times. We talk a little bit about the Cubs' recent spending and say how we wouldn't sign Jake Arrieta right before the Cubs signed Jake Arrieta. So that was good timing by us. Uh, Ryan talks a little bit about his book that he wrote, a science fiction book, that's pretty interesting. And here is Ryan. Welcome back to Holy Cow. So he's good to have you on. Yeah, I'm happy to take a little time. I have the day off today from work, so plenty of free time to sit down and talk a little bit about the Cubs. So, well, I guess we'll just get right into it. The Cubs actually did something. They uh, signed Jock Peterson, signed Jake Marisnik. They claimed to have money, some more money to spend, which the way this offseason has gone is kind of shocking to hear. But yeah. what do you think of these moves? Um, I think if you can look at them in a vacuum – there's no defending trading you Darvish just to dump the salary. Right. But the other moves that they've made, I do kind of like to a degree. Um, I don't love Austin Romine as the backup catcher, but you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, Victor Caratini was probably a better backup for much less money. So that that's frustrating. But outside of that, I think, you know, the trade off of, you know, essentially the way you could look at it financially is, you know, bringing in Jock Peterson and Trevor Williams for the money you would have spent on Schwarber. I feel like Peterson's a better outfielder, probably a better base runner. Um, and, and he's more of a strict platoon guy. Uh, if you just look at his career numbers, really good against right-handed pitching, not so good against left-handed pitching, but then they also got Philip Irvin and then also Marisnik, who uh, both are right-hand uh, platoon against left-hand pitching kind of guys. So uh, the way they've constructed the outfield, it might not be their best outfield of this era, but it might be one of the more uh, complete outfields. Uh, so I, I do find the moves that they've made overall to be intriguing. Uh, I'm one of those people who uh, doesn't want to get shouted at, but I don't think the, uh, potential drop-off between what you Darvish might do in a full season next year and what Zach Davies might do. I don't know if that, that gap is as large as some people want to think mm-hmm. uh, because Davies is a really good pitcher, just a different style, more Kyle Hendricks-like. Uh, so, yeah, I, I would say overall, I think they've made some quality moves. And if, if they are as limited in the budget as they've said in the past, um, I think what Hoyer's done with the roster so far, minus dumping Darvish for salary, uh, is it's been good. It's been a good fit. They just probably at this point need another pitcher and, and a second baseman. Yes, and um, so and I don't know what to make of these like recent reports about that now they have more money. I mean, if that's true, yeah. great. But I the this stuff with their finances has been 
so confusing all all like what the past three years it's been yeah. hard to get a just sense of what's going on with that yeah and you know it, it has to be something with marquee network and i know others have talked about this um uh, i know evan at cubs insiders talked about this um you know something happened uh, on the business side if you'll recall in that 2018 season there was a lot of you know, rumors about Bryce Harper and flirtations and how, you know, Chris Bryant was, you know, more or less recruiting him or, you know, talking to him about it behind the scenes and that Harper's preferred destination was Wrigley Field. So we, we knew that there was smoke there and they had talked, you know, the previous offseason about how, you know, they had the financial flexibility to do that. Um, and then Theo Epstein talked after the 2018 season about, you know, a reckoning and, you know, mm -hmm. all these other things, but the offense was um, broken. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, and, and then they didn't do anything. And so there was some point close to the end of the 2018 season, either before or after where uh, something changed. And I think it had to do with marquee network um, because that they, you know, if you'll recall, Crane Kenny said wheelbarrows full of cash mm -hmm. is what they expected from that. And, um, you know, people who want to blame this on, well, it's the pandemic. None of them are spending. That's not mm -hmm. all the case with the Cubs. That That's part of it. But it's it started well before the pandemic. Uh, and it's been going on. You know, I mean, what Jock Peterson's probably the most expensive free mm -hmm. agent they've signed uh, since you Darvish. Yes. So. I mean, that, that tells you a lot, but yeah, I, I don't know about the money they're getting coming in, whether that's just, you know, a ploy because they've been so badly beaten early on in the off season based on the reputation that they have to shed salary. Um, it could just be that when they finally were ready to spend the money, uh, they tried to play it up as, Oh, look at all this extra money. We have, we have plenty yeah. of money. We don't, we don't have to shed any more salary. Well, I almost thought of it like, yeah, like a, almost like a pushback against the yeah. narrative that was they're cheap they don't want that narrative so right. we've well, got and money. If, you, if you think about uh the rumors about chris bryant that have popped up with the mets now the cubs have said they won't you know or at least bryant was told i, I believe uh, that they wouldn't trade him for anything more than a massive haul that's that's the rumor that's mm -hmm. out there right uh so with that knowledge that they're they're tired of the you know they, they were embarrassed by the darvish dumping uh, and they don't want to get embarrassed on another trade like that. They have to build that narrative that they have more money now and that they can sign pitching and that they, you know, all these things, whether that's true or not, they have to mm -hmm. have that narrative out there. Otherwise, it's going to be perceived that trading Chris Bryant is just another salary dump. Uh, and they can't have that because, you know, then nobody offers them a serious mm -hmm. offer. Then you get the the U Darvish offer, um, uh, you know, a bunch of 17-year-olds, and, and another Kyle, Day, or sorry, Zach Davies. You know, nobody wants that for Chris Bryant. So mm -hmm. um, I, I still think a Bryant trade before the season is unlikely. But um, in the event that they do start getting offers, they have to have that leverage. Yes. And, but yeah, it's that, that makes the most sense to me that it's like a perception thing. So, but let's pretend they do have a little bit of money. So what pitcher do you think they should add or pitchers that are still available? 
Yeah, I, I really like Taiwan Walker. Um, I think that would probably be of the pitchers still available. My number one pick. I know a lot of people like James Paxton, and I, I do think he's a good pitcher when he's healthy, but the problem is I don't think he's ever pitched a full season. No, I don't think so. Yeah, and uh, if I recall, he's coming off of uh, uh, injuries in 2020, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some kind of uh, elbow. That's right. Yeah, only – I looked it up. He only five, uh, five games he started. Mm-hmm. And in those five games, he got bombed. So um, – yeah, I don't know. I, I haven't looked far enough into whether that, you know, if there was some velocity dip. But, uh, uh, you know, looking at his career stats, his career high in innings is 160. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, he typically has at least some injury. I mean, he's been very good when he's healthy, uh, except for 2020. So uh, I wouldn't be opposed to getting him if Taiwan Walker weren't available. But um, it does seem that Paxton might be more the uh the cubs uh price range because if if memory serves taiwan walker was pretty healthy Mm -hmm. in 2020 and and pitched pretty well if i remember correctly so yeah that yeah he had 11 starts with a 270 era so yeah uh, it seems like he probably should at least garner some pretty decent interest at this point well if they did have extra money then that might be a guy that you'd put a little extra money into but right yeah i mean it I'm is it too rich to think he might get a seven million dollar, eight million dollar deal? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if the Cubs have that kind of money, but I'm again, uh, they're putting out there into the universe that they do have it and that they are planning to sign another pitcher. Mm-hmm. So either they do have it and they're planning to sign another pitcher, or the Chris Bryant trade stuff is hotter than they're letting on. Um, yeah, because if they don't have it and they're saying they can sign another pitcher, they're just trying to convince the Mets that they do have money and that they don't need to shed the contract. Yeah. So I guess we'll see. I don't want to um, burst our colleague uh, Brendan Miller's bubble, but I, I'm not that into bringing Arietta back. I don't know what you think about it, but I just – he hasn't been that impressive – with Philadelphia, and I just, I, I don't think it's the right move, but I'll ask you about it. Yeah, um, I guess it depends on what they saw at that showing that he had. Um, if he can hit 94, 95, um, I'd feel a lot better about it than 91, 92, uh, which I think is what he's kind of sat around with his fastball. Uh, so that's, I just think that his history has shown um, when he's had the better velocity, um, his pitches are better uh, and he gets better results as the velocity has declined. His numbers have declined as well. So I guess it just depends on what he showed there. I I didn't see uh, any like numbers from it. Maybe it was out there and I missed it, but um, you know, if if he could hit 95 again with his fastball, Mm -hmm. I'd, I'd be more on the side of doing it, but at this point, you know, it, it was a great send off, you know, he, he had the, the Cy Young in 2015, you know, one of the best and most dominant seasons we've ever seen as Cubs fans for sure. Um, and then he followed it up with a great first half in 2017, didn't do as well in the second half, but still had a great overall season. And then had that really great final start. The only game they won in the NLCS 
uh, final start at Wrigley in a Cubs uniform. I think it was a great ending for him with the Cubs. And uh, yeah, that I think that it, they should probably just leave it the way it is unless they think he can mm-hmm. really contribute. If it's just, you know, bringing out the 2013 Kerry Wood mascot to say, hey, you know, every fifth day you might want to come see us when fans are allowed again exactly, because you can yeah. see World Series favorite Jake Arrieta. Um, you know, if that's the purpose, don't do it. Yeah, that's yeah, that's exactly. not worthwhile. Like it, the same thing even with like like a Lester, but he would have been cheap. I I I would make a better case to to keep Lester. Yeah, I even agree with that. Yeah, I feel yeah, better that, about Lester going to a team that's trying to win. Right. Yeah. The um, I think Lester is a little different because he's already on the team. Um, mm-hmm. so it's not, you know, just running a guy out there because he's a world series favorite and it makes sense. I think that that in large part is bringing a guy back, letting him choose to stay where he's been living for the last six years, uh, and, you know, want to stay and retire with the Cubs. Um, I see that, I see that a little bit differently, but at the same time, you know, if, if they made, if they had the money to sign Lester, which, you know, a lot of people made a, a big stink about the fact, oh, the Cubs can't even afford to give John Lester $2 million this year and defer a couple million. Uh, I think we've seen since then, they did have the money to do it. Mm-hmm. They just chose not to. And if it was for baseball reasons, I don't necessarily blame them. If you look at John Lester, you know, basically since the second half of 2019 mm-hmm. uh, through 2020, it was like 36 starts. And he's, you know, given up a OPS uh, against, against, uh, sorry, an OPS against him of like over 800. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's just not good. Um, yeah, he's you know, getting a lot of those, a um, lot of those blow up starts where. Right. He and and he still it. can put it, he can still, like, it seems like every third start, he puts it together and gives mm-hmm. you something and you're like, okay. He can still do this, like you know. He, yes. You know he has the, yeah, but then he gets blown up the next start, and then the one mm-hmm. after that is not so great either. But then that third start, he, he gives you a solid yes. like five innings and one earned run, kind of you know two strikeouts, um, and you feel like he can just still do it, and so he can still do it. And I wish that he, you know, was back with the Cubs for sentimental reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd like to see him continue with the Cubs, but at the same time, I, I do think that. Maybe it's time to give some of the prospects a shot. They just, you know, obviously that's been a, the development of pitching in the Cubs system has not been good. But this year it's going to be Alzali and all these guys are going to get Tyson Miller. All They're all going to get shot. So do you yeah. feel good about these guys getting, think somebody will bubble up or you worry it's still this, bad legacy of developing pitchers. Yeah, I do have some hope for some of these guys, especially Alzali. I don't know if he'll ever start 32 games and throw 180 plus innings. I don't know if he'll ever have that role or if he, he'll just be a guy who can, you know, give you 20 to 25 starts a year um, for various reasons, you know, health-wise or, um, you know, just for the fact that, there's concerns about longevity with him uh, being able to go deep into games consistently. 
Um, so I, just, I don't know if he'll ever have a bigger role than maybe a fourth or fifth starter um, who you just hope you get to the postseason with still healthy because his stealth is really good. Um, he just, I don't think, can be as consistent and durable uh, to be a top of the line pitcher. So you have Al's a lie and you, you kind of have an idea of where you, where you are with him. Um, guys like uh, Justin Steele and Corey Abbott, Tyson Miller, they're more unknown. Uh, you know, they're, they're some of them, are, at least for Abbott and Steele, I think they're kind of higher ceiling uh, than Tyson Miller, but um, Tyson Miller might have the lower or the higher floor, I guess. I don't know if Corey Abbott and Justin Steele are going to be legit big leaguers or not. Um, I do feel like Tyson Miller might craft out a role as a middle reliever um, or, or maybe a long reliever uh, if a, any team is still kind of employing that strategy. Yeah. So, yeah, I do, I do see some talent with these guys, and I'm interested to see what they have. Uh, I hope they get uh, a shot in spring training, and hopefully the, uh, the games will be broadcast on marquee so we can – watch and get an idea of how close these yes. guys are to really having a meaningful impact. Does it, uh, they should be. I mean, well, they were last year. I don't know about with these new rules and you'd think they would be though. Televised. Yeah. And... yeah I, I would think Alzali is probably ready to, I, I think if they're penciling him in as a number four or number five mm-hmm. uh, in that rotation, you know, not that he necessarily has the job locked already, but, you know, it's his to lose kind of thing. I think if that's the case, I, I'm on board with that because I think that's where he is developmentally is he's got to be given a chance to actually take that role. Last year, they had a what they said was kind of a competition in the second spring training, but uh, it, it was always kind of clear that Alzali never had a shot at the rotation. So I, I think it's, it's good to have him in that role this year. Those other guys, I think they probably – unless they really show out in spring training and, and show you they're ready. Uh, I think those are probably guys you start at um, Iowa or the alternative site or whatever it is they're going to do. Well, as someone who uh, writes recaps of spring training games, I hope they are on marquee, but we will see. Yeah, they were last year, right? That was their whole thing was yes. they were kicking it off by saying, look at us we're broadcasting every spring training game. And I mean, that was kind of cool at a time that people were not a fan of marquee network. Uh, so hopefully they do the same thing this year. Cause I guarantee uh, after kind of a bad first year for marquee network and then losing Len Casper, um, it, it'll be not another, not good start to a season. If they kind of go back on that, every spring training game, people yes. will remember and they'll be unhappy. And I mean, what else are they going to air on that channel? I mean, right. Yeah. And how, how can you justify having a Cubs only channel and having a Cubs game happening right now, but you're showing bass fishing? Yeah. Like that, that would be not a good look at all. All right. So I guess I have to ask you about the rest of the NL Central. And obviously, the big move is the trade for Dolan Arenado, which, by the way, Rockies, pretty pathetic. Sorry, what? You trying to be a major league team or not? Sorry, that's my. But um, what do you think of this Arenado trade and what it does for the Cardinals? I think it's a really good trade for them. Obviously, uh, I wrote an article for Cubs Insider. I'm not sure if you saw it or if 
anybody listening saw it, but kind of about how the Cardinals, especially in the last 30 or so years, have had a lot of history of just stealing good players for nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, it was kind of a cathartic piece to write and just kind of venting a frustration as a Cubs fan. Um, but it's just another one of those. I mean, they were due for one, right? Um uh, the last time they stole a, just straight stole a player was probably uh, Matt Holiday, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, that just felt like it was about that time for the Cardinals to just come out and do their thing and snag a player that any other team probably could have had, but the Cardinals were the ones who they got him. And mm-hmm. uh, now they've got Goldschmidt and Arenado on the corners. Yes, uh, which which reminds me uh, a reasonable amount of maybe like a poor man's rolling in Pujols. Mm-hmm. Um, I obviously Goldschmidt's nowhere close to what Pujols was in his prime, but no, um, you know, Arenado and Roland are a pretty good comparison. Uh, so mm-hmm. that that's a frustrating, you know, fact about them uh, the, having those two players in the corners and uh, a pretty good shortstop in Paul DeYoung who has mm-hmm. uh, a decent amount of power. And then some of the younger guys in the outfield who, who uh, Dylan Carlson is a prospect that I think uh, could be potential next all-star for the Cardinals. So yeah, but um, their problem again, is just, they have Flaherty, but other than that, their starting pitching is not exactly like anything to write home about. Right. There are some question marks. Um, you don't know how good Carlos Martinez is going to be. Um, you know, you, you don't know. Um, I, I'm not sure when uh, Miles Michaelis will be healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure if he's ready to start the season or not. I can't remember with his injury what the timetable was. But uh, yeah, you've got Flaherty. You've got Dakota Hudson, who's mm-hmm. a, a solid pitcher. Um, they signed uh, a pitcher. I think it's his last name's Kim. He's a lefty. Uh, that was last year. He had a pretty good 2020. Um, although it was only a few starts, I'm pretty sure. So, um, but they do have some pitching. Uh, it's just, some of it has question marks, you know, Flaherty was not good last year, but, um, Adam Wainwright was amazingly, Mm -hmm. you know, had a great bounce back in only 65 innings, but the Tom um, Brady of the NFL or the MLB. Right. Yeah. You just don't know if Wainwright is going to be good again this year, they brought him back, but you know, he was not all that great the couple years prior. So um, just don't know what you're going to get out of him. You don't know how many innings you'll get out of Dakota Hudson. You mm-hmm. don't know what Kwang Young Kim is going to do in a full season. So, uh, or when miles Michaelis is going to be healthy. So that that's, that's the main problem. And Martinez just not being yeah. reliable as a starter. Um yeah, there, there's just too many question marks, but they always seem to find a way, don't they? They usually do. But the funny thing is, even with this Arenado move, the team projected to win the NL Central has been the Brewers. It's kind yeah, of which is funny. Yeah, uh, because they, they let go of Braun, uh, who I don't think had necessarily a stellar 2020 and, and is getting older. Um, so it, it doesn't seem like Braun is going to be back. Mm-hmm. Um you know, Yelich is there. He had a terrible 2020. Um, but they, yeah, you're right. They don't have, um, they got Colton Wong, 
who yeah. who's a great defensive uh, player, not necessarily a great offensive player. And uh, the Brewers, one of their big problems this year was scoring runs. And yes. you know, maybe Colton Wong help, helps a little bit, but in, in that area, it's not not necessarily a specialty. So they, they love a acquiring second baseman, though. Geez. Yeah. Um, I, I'm kind of blanking on some of their pitching moves. I can't remember if they made a big pitching move or not. But I don't think they did. Yeah, I, I do really like Corbin Burns. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's for real. Uh, I like Brandon Woodruff, not necessarily as a number one starter, but as a number two or number three, he's very good. Uh, so they have a, they have some talent at the top of their rotation. I don't know how deep it is, though. And obviously they have talent in the bullpen, uh, Josh Hader didn't have his best year, but mm-hmm. uh, Brent Suter pitched primarily out of the bullpen and yeah, did and, um, pretty well. Um, Williams. Devin, Devin Williams, uh, just insane. 53 strikeouts, yes. 27 innings. That's Those are video game numbers. So, Yeah, um, the Cubs and the Brewers are kind of similar now that they're, they're very top-heavy. The Cubs are even more when they had Darvish, but there's only a few players that like – they have to come through for the Brewers. Yeah. I mean, if if um, Yelich and Hader aren't on, that's very hard for them to win. Which is right not last year. Yeah, that's and and they need you know Woodruff to be healthy, and they need Burns to pitch like he did last year, and they need the rotation to pitch well enough overall to allow their offense, which I think was 12th in the National League in run scored, allow that offense to get through six or seven innings with a lead. You know, if you're up four to two uh, going into the bottom of the seventh inning and here comes Devin Williams and then, you know, maybe some combination of uh, Brent Suter and somebody else in the bullpen for the eighth inning and then Hayter for the ninth, you feel pretty good about winning that game. So uh, that's usually the, the the method with the Brewers is just make sure that you don't get into their bullpen with them having the lead. Mm-hmm. And then I guess the rest of the, the – I guess everyone now is – the funny thing is last year everyone's look out for the Reds and now we're back to, yeah, the Reds suck. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of weird how um, you know they've made some trades to dump salary and – I just feel bad for Joey Votto. Mm-hmm. Like anytime the Reds put together something that, you know, if you just take away fandom and objectively look at it and say, okay, so they've got a really good rotation. They've mm-hmm. got a good offense. You know, this is a team that, you know, just add a little bit more. Yeah. Just a and, little more upgrades. Yeah. Just a little bit more. And this team can be your NL central champion. It could be a, you know, in a playoffs with, you know, as much as nobody likes him, Bauer and Castillo and mm-hmm. Sunny Gray, you know, the, that's a that's a playoff one, two, three. Uh, so that's a team that could win a World Series if they're, you know, pitching on top of their game. But mm-hmm. they just, you know, their Reds did up. Yeah, well, they got, yeah. It's like, well, it was slightly disappointing last year. It's like, but they were playing well at the end of the year. And it's just like, you shouldn't blow it up after a 60-game season. Just yeah, seemed- just... Yeah, it uh, seems like maybe they had a, a a set window for this team and they, you know, got their 2-0 sweep in the uh, wild card round and they're happy with that. And 
we'll move on to 2021 and start over again. You know, that's, I, I don't understand it, but again, similar stuff has been happening with the Cubs, right? Uh, exactly. Yeah. You know, they, they won that division last year and then they went and uh, dump traded you Darvish. Yeah. Cause they could have easily, if the Cubs upgraded a little bit, with the team right. they had, they'd be. You know, it, it's interesting that, you know, the Padres were constantly looking to add to their rotation. And part of that was they needed to move uh, Davies off the team, right? Mm-hmm. It seems like if the Cubs would have just kept Darvish, eventually they probably could have traded uh, some low-level prospects for Zach Davies uh, yeah. from the Padres and just added him to the rotation. Um so, yeah, if you make some of the similar moves on offense, like letting Schwarber go and bringing in Jock Peterson, uh, a few of the other moves, if you if you do the same moves, but you just add Davies to the, the existing mm-hmm. rotation with Darvish, I think a lot of fans would feel a ton better about this team. Exactly. Uh, they yeah. f- feel like that's a, you know, that Darvish, Davies and Hendricks are a legit one, two, three. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's just you know, obviously a. Uh, a, a fun fictional reality that's just not what we have yeah that's what can, what can you do right you gotta we're not in charge of the team so we just have to we can roll only, with the, we, yeah, roll we with can the only moves. complain about it that's right um so i guess i'll ask you a little bit about um what are your favorite subjects the uh simpsons of course okay. though we i love the simpsons too but the show is finally coming to an end. I mean, it's kind of anticlimactic because, you know, the glory days of The Simpsons are at least like 15 years ago. But um, what are your thoughts on the, the end of The Simpsons after all these years? Uh, well, I'm, uh, I'm, um, I'm sad that it's going to be... Uh, going away but I don't I don't I assume they have at least a little bit more time right um, um I, I think it was either I'm trying to remember they said they were ending it but I didn't remember it was this season or the season after yeah I thought I thought they still had some time um but yeah uh I, I'm sad that it will be ending but it also feels very strange because it, it spans generations and every generation has its Simpsons episodes that they remember. And I would argue that, you know, the third through eighth season are the funniest mm-hmm. and best of the series. And that if you look at it, you know, in different chunks of seasons, that the family dynamic is very different according to the time that, that it was written. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really interesting uh, as just kind of a, a time capsule of pop culture i mean it really as the years go by and the characters stay the same age the episodes still reflect reflect current pop culture mm-hmm. um so yeah i i i mean that's even with references you know going back to the very early episodes um to you know george w bush or george hw bush as president um and flashbacks to when bart was a kid and reagan was president mm-hmm. and i mean just all these things that span our pop culture it's just such an interesting time capsule in my opinion so yeah. it, it, it is it is you know even if it's not sad that it's coming to an end because 
it's been going on so long, uh, it would be, uh, you know, at, at least interesting or, or historical that it's coming to an end. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I I think the third aid season are the best too. But it, one of my cousins was younger than me, and he's quoting all these episodes from like season twelve and thirteen. I'm like, what? Those aren't the good episodes. Like, Those are ones I like, and I'm like. So yeah, I guess maybe it really is like when you jump into it is when you, those are the ones that you like the best. I don't know. It's kind of yeah. funny. My daughter's really into the, uh, the Simpsons movie. She loves the Simpsons in general and she really appreciates the older stuff because that's what uh, I like to watch. But um, but yeah, she, she really digs the Simpsons movie, uh, which is more of the newer Simpsons. Yes. I say, as it was, you know, in theaters 14 years ago. God, yeah, really? Yeah. 14, we're old. Yeah, I know. Very old. Look how old we've become. That's right. So, I guess I'll let you plug your work. I Cubs Insider, we both, right, for that, but... Right. Yeah, um, Cubs Insider, I don't write much about baseball anymore, just when the mood strikes uh, Evans mm-hmm. kind of generously given me an open platform. I don't think he's ever turned me away for something I wanted to publish. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, every once in a while I've written uh, probably three or four things since the new year. So mm-hmm. uh, you'll, you'll see me pop up there occasionally during the season. And then uh, I wrote a book. Um, it's a sci-fi fantasy called the forgotten world. Um, if you're interested in that kind of thing, check out my uh, Twitter. I'm at Ryan Q Davis. Uh, and uh, my pinned tweet has ways that you can read the book early before it's published. So, a uh, little, little um, what's the book about? A little bit. Oh, yeah. A little blurb um, about what it's. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it takes place in a fictional universe uh, on kind of a barren post apocalyptic planet. Um, story centers around uh, two characters, uh, young, uh, young boy and a girl, early 20s, I think, um, you know, trying to survive, you know, in this kind of post-apocalyptic world with the small community they live in. And then they kind of unravel sort of the layers of what happened to their planet and their people. And there's space travel and all sorts of fun stuff and kind of grow with these characters as they, you know, learn about themselves and what happened to the people that they, you know, that that were native to their planet, I guess. Well, sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I'm working on the sequel right now, but yeah, if anyone's interested in uh, sci-fi fantasy and, you know, want to get in early and read, uh, I have a Patreon set up. It's $2 a month, but at this point, I think you'd probably spend two or $4 to read the whole thing. I've got about nine or 10 chapters that have been posted and every Monday I post a new chapter. So got a couple of people on there who I think have been reading and following along. So uh, mostly positive feedback so far. So if you like that kind of stuff, you know, just check it out. All right. Maybe the Cubs will be out of this world this year. <laughs> yeah maybe we'll, we'll cross our fingers all right well as always thank you for coming on ryan and uh, yeah. i'll be back on 
some point during the season, maybe. Yeah, sounds yeah, good. I'm all, always happy to do it when I've got the free time. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at SDH85. Email the podcast, holycowpod at gmail. Um, subscribe on the Apple podcast app and be great if you could uh, give me a rating and a review. Just helps me out. Those of you guys who are listening, what you might want to improve on the podcast. And yes, spring training's going now. So we'll have some more episodes coming up. And as always, thank you for listening. <laughs>